Sabaydi, everyone. Broadcasting from the banks of the Mekong River in Luang Prabang, this is Radio Okpapdok, the podcast that crisscrosses the world, taking roads less traveled to meet pioneers in the world of folk art, the change makers in travel and tourism, and innovators in remote communities. We delve into the minds of these custodians of culture. Radio Okpapdok is a project of Okpapdok, an artisan-run textile company in Luang Prabang. Okpapdok was founded by women, it's run by women, and it benefits the women of Laos. Check out their website if you have a few minutes. And now, if you're looking for inspiration and where to go on your next travels, you've come to the right place. All aboard, let's go. In my case, innovation is uh, more referred to the uh, respect the culture, mm -hmm. And then you know, uh, take advantage of what they, what we know, and cultures are in constant movement. In some parts of the world, uh, you know, uh, change happen quite nicely, slowly. But in other cultures, it speeds up. Sometimes we forget a lot of things. And today, with this modern world, you know, just focus in innovation without respect to the origins of whatever we are just creating or sharing or bringing out. You just heard Nilda Cayenopa Alvarez, a Quechua weaver from Chinchero. When Nilda was a young girl herding sheep in the Andean highlands of Peru, she fell in love with spinning and weaving so much so that she would fall asleep dreaming about it. In 1996, Nilda galvanized other Quechua weavers in her community, and together they created the Center for Traditional Textiles of Cusco. The women weavers of this small yet powerful collective are reviving ancient Andean weaving traditions. And Nilda did all this without losing sight of her culture. Innovation, as she said a few minutes ago, must come from a strong foundation. Nilda is humble, quiet, reflective, and immeasurably empathetic. However, in her petite frame, she embodies the passion and determination of a revolutionary. Change will come, it's inevitable. It's how Nilda has helped her community navigate these changes that we find so inspiring. A quick word about the recording. We're not super tech savvy here, and the internet is still sketchy in some parts of the world. So bear with us. Nilda is really worth listening to. She's funny, wise, and has great stories to tell. Nilda lives in Chinchero, but these days she's often in Cusco where she cares for her 92-year-old mom. So let's head over to Cusco and meet Nilda. Hola, Nilda. How are you today? Hi, Rashna. I'm okay. Yeah. I put to bed to my mom, so I hope she's sleeping <laughs> now, by now. Um, I am in, in Cusco City, which is like one hour kind south from Chinchero, my birthplace. Yes. Uh, that's my home for now. Um, I go back and forth to Chinchero. Oh, and your mom is 90, right? Like she's... 92. 92, wow. Well, I, yeah. yes, I hope she's resting well and um, 
Yeah. I think so. If you're ready, we can start. Yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. start. Okay, so um, Nilda, in 2017, Joanna Smith came to your Tinkui, and uh, she's our uh, co-founder, and she hasn't been able to stop talking about coming to Tinkui with one of our weavers. And so I was curious, can you tell us what Tinkui is and why you started it? Okay, Tinkui is um, like gathering. Mm -hmm. Not exactly like the conference, it's more wild the gathering. So it was a weaver's gathering. Down here, the ladies still talk a lot about Laos and the textile, how rich was their textile, and how they brought their equipment to make demonstrations, the weavers. Uh, etc. Like indigo, they were still talking about indigo, the Laos, and um, etc. Et oh, that's so great! Um, I love that. What made you begin the Tinkui? You know, because it's like weavers come from all over Peru, but also all over the world to, like you said, share ideas. Um, what gave you the idea to start that? You know what? Traveling in the last decades. I had uh, a lot of uh, amazing experience. The project that I am leading, I created with a group of weavers, um, a group of friends, and this organization. It's like your children. You always think, oh my God, this event is so great. I wish the weavers could be, but never I am going to be able to take 600, 800 weavers away to any part of the world, not even in our country. So um, what brought this up is the dream of how these people, our weavers, can share their experience with the another weavers or textile lovers or scholars from the other parts of the world. So the idea was better to bring to Cusco people so they can have this unique experience with the rest of the people who ever could join to this event. For most modern travelers, the road to Machu Picchu begins in Cusco. As the road winds into the Andean highlands, it passes through the tiny hamlet of Chinchero. This is Quechua country. Quechua means the people, and they are the indigenous people of South America. It's believed they originated in Peru, although various Quechua communities now also live in Ecuador, Bolivia, Chile, Argentina, and Colombia. Over time, they've developed different linguistic and regional differences, but they still share a common heritage. The Quechua are accomplished farmers and shepherds. They've also advanced weaving in remarkable ways. Their repertoire includes making fabrics for everyday and ceremonial wear, for functional uses like bags and sacks, and of course, refined garments for emperors and noblemen. Their triple, quadruple wefts and 600 thread count textiles date back to pre-Columbian times, a staggering accomplishment considering these days we can't achieve this without machinery. The Quechua have weathered a lot throughout history. They've managed to get through centuries of warring Inca kings and assorted natural and man-made catastrophes but nothing prepared them for the arrival of Pizarro and the Spanish conquistadors in the 16th century. The colonists forced the production of new crops, 
shaking up the region's food security. And they subjected indigenous Quechua to extreme racism and alienation. This continued well into the 20th century. As Nilda was coming of age, she saw her culture falling apart. Very few people wore traditional clothing. Weaving traditions were not being passed down. Young people were increasingly seduced by the dubious promise of progress in big cities. And now with travelers filing in to see Machu Picchu, there's also talk of an airport being built in Chinchero. So let's start at the beginning of the story in the 1960s, uh, when you were a young girl in Chinchero with your parents. Um, can you tell us what it was like to live in Chinchero back then? And Well, Chinchero is, um, is a community in the Andes. I come from a farmer's family. Jewelry, the farmer, and my mother, she used to weave uh, all kinds of things. So I grew up kind in the back or with the sheep. So take care of them until seven years old. And then I went to the school for the first grade. Mm -hmm. My everyday life was shared between school, animals, and farming. And then I got the education primary and secondary school in Chinchero, and then the university studies are here in the city of Cusco. My first weaving experience comes behind of the ship, spinning and weaving. That was how my life was. Now it's totally different because Chinchero changed so much. There is paved road going through that place to Machu Picchu. So, oh my gosh, the revolution in the last five years is huge. Um, many, many things, transportation, communication system, all those kind of things. So that also makes very fast to change the yes. culture, right? In the face of these types of changes, how does the culture stay intact? Um, it's not very much intact. I would say, I would put it in the word of opportunity. As any part of the world, the young woman or young People always, we are looking for our future opportunities to create income a lot of times, opportunities to create education, have better system of life, etc. So I think um, the biggest attraction for the young people, opportunity as a part of job, because in our country or our region, the discrimination was for many centuries, I mean, many centuries. Discrimination to the peasant people um, by the colonial Spanish people was huge damaged. But this is a culture that all the TV attractions, all the fashion for the young women, um, also our, and on the other hand, is our culture, clothing, Tradition, so it's like uh, putting together two religions and trying to practice both of them. I know culture is a movement, always uh, change, but the change will drastic. What is something change. about the Quechua culture that the modern world can learn from? Well, the Quechua communities are very much sharing communities. Uh, families are really important. Community life is very important. 
um, sharing is so important. Um, reciprocity, helping each other. One day you work for you, another day you work for somebody else. If they need help, always help each other. Um, if you go through the difficult times, always people will be around of you. It's community. That's the world, I think. It's sharing, community, families. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's interesting because before you were talking about how there's two religions in the world. There's like our culture and then there's the culture of the global market and the internet and what people are seeing, you know, I mean, what young people especially are seeing. And that other, that other message is all about being an individual. And mm -hmm. it's complete contrast to kind of the holistic community sharing living. Yeah, it's something I hear a lot about and I experience also in my own life and my own children. And, you know, it's just how do you communicate to children that, you know, the being an individual and having self-confidence is good, but you also have to be careful of your, you know, take care of your community. You know, there is a saying, you know, in the Andes that the community people, Highland people, mm -hmm. Andean people, we are very much attached to our sacred mountains. Um, some ways it's really that, I think so. It's always, we are very much attached to our roots, our culture. What do you see as... Um is next for you, Nilda? Like, you know, COVID is really um, having an impact everywhere. How How is it impacting Peru and specifically the artisan communities that... Okay, give me a minute. My mother, I think, so is getting up from the bed. Okay. Just to give me a minute. Okay, no problem. Okay, I am back. <laughs> I thought she was totally asleep, but... I hear a noise. Is she okay? But she's telling me. Okay. She's okay. She's... Sometimes it takes a while to go. To yes, it's it's. Okay, let's go back to our question. That's okay. No, no problem. Um, we were talking about um, COVID. So you know, COVID is on everyone's mind, and it's impacting everybody. And I wanted to know what is the pandemic like in Peru. And how is it impacting the artisan communities you work with? Okay, COVID. Wow, what a thing. Eh? Nobody predicted in the world, but <laughs> even we. But you know, you know what? And the people we were thinking, you know, we we work so much, we work so much, we we have very hard life. Um, we believe that we are strong. I think so affected a lot to the Cusco city people. Mm -hmm. And we dreamed that was not going to happen because the altitude. And since March until middle of July, not almost nothing happened. But then suddenly arrived like, you know, like pandemic. 
Um, many, many people start getting sick. Many people passed away. In the circle of around like half hour or one hour away, in the communities also there was um, a lot of infested people suffering, but not in isolated areas because very much is they are now together a lot with many people. They are like in their own land, with their own animals, with their own communities. So that uh, how affected the, to the arts, to the weavers, oh, totally, like almost 100% because we depended on the consumer was the tourists who came, who come to Cusco. So um, no tourism at all. So no sales. Yeah, it's been the same, I think, in a lot of places, especially with artisan groups who rely on um, on tourism, you know. It's also really hard, I think, with doing online sales because so many, so much of textiles is about storytelling and about connecting with people. And I think it's really hard to communicate that value online, you know. So I think we're all learning how to do that now. Um, I guess so, yes. So we are just crossing our fingers that the vaccine will appear soon. Yeah. Uh, I hope, uh, you know, people start traveling. Who knows, you know, all the national and international events also uh, have been canceled. Yes, yes, exactly. Nilda will tell you that she could not have accomplished her work without the women who inspired and helped her. First, there's her mother who introduced her to weaving. Next, her friendship with Doña Sebastián, a shepherdess, weaver, and a single mother. You'll hear more about Doña Sebastián shortly. Nilda also benefited from a fortuitous friendship with Chris and Ed Frankmont, two American anthropologists who were living in Chinchero and studying Andean textiles in the 1970s. Nilda was Chris Frankmont's weaving teacher, and together they wrote books on traditional Andean techniques and collected stories of Andean master weavers. And then there's the women of Chinchero and the 10 communities that work within the CTTC framework. Nilda leads the way, but she's the first to tell you that being with her community of weavers is her greatest inspiration and joy. Yeah. So I read that when you were a little girl and you would take the sheep of your family out into the mountains, you met this older shepherdess named Doña Sebastián and that she had a big influence on you at, at a very Oh, yes. Can you tell me a little bit about her and her life and how, what relationship you had and how it influenced you? Well, um, she was a single mother. So in exchange that the man works in their land, the families help in their land, she used to care flocks of the sheep of many, many community people. So you can imagine like in the mountain, in the hillside, a woman walking like with 500 or 1,000 sheep that belongs to the different families. And she was always kind, calling, screaming to the, to the sheep, um, spinning, spinning wonderful 
very smooth, like machine, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, she used to take also all kind of lunch, you know, like snacks, because all the owners of the different flocks of the sheep, they used to bring many kinds of uh, food, lunch to her, like fruit, uh, like candies, mm-hmm. like normal lunch, and fava beans, and she used to have a huge bundle of food, you know. Uh, meanwhile, I had only one food because my mom just gave me one food, you know. So, oh my gosh, I have such such big deep memories for her. She was she was I don't know, you know. <laughs> there is no words to explain, but she was amazing lady. So uh, she had. She was very, very special for me. And she taught you the way of the land and maybe... Yeah, and her life, how the single mother can survive, you know, how much responsibility takes and how much of... She has a daughter and it happens now. She died long before the... Maybe she met the first grandchild. Mm. But um, she passed away quite young, but she had very hard life. She had one daughter, and now she has like seven, eight grandchildren. To me, it seems like, you know, there are many women in your life came together, and whether it was Doña Sebastian or Chris Frankmont, or the women in the different communities you work with, who all kind of came together to create the center and move the culture forward, you know, and preserve the textile. I think it's really inspiring. It is inspired. I just feel so blessed in the right moment, in the right time. Um, I am really much glad that I decided because when I finished the university, I had like two ways to go. Like I was, I got my degree on tourism. I could have travel company or whatever, whatever activity on the tourism industry. Or I could have created this nonprofit organization to help to the weavers. Um, and from the economical side, uh, of course the business brings you more money, but in the cultural side, what I do, what I decide, I'm more than happy. It was a challenging work. I dedicate so much of my time, more than maybe to my family. I am still doing. So I hope this just keep continuing. Are you happy with the decision that you made to go towards culture? Yes, I am. I am. I am more, ha- I think so, I am more happy than, I don't know what it could have been my life in the other side, but, you know, I am very happy. I'm so happy being with the weavers in the community. That's that's what really mean, what means for me the project. I kind of hate the direction part because a lot of stress of budget, uh, reports, uh, staff, uh, uh, you know, as in any organization that is stress. Yes. 
But then when you're with the weavers, it all feels worth it. Totally different. Yeah. Totally different. <laughs> I am just um, very happy. I'm just very proud that I had that opportunity. I am so blessed. I feel blessed. In case you missed what Nilda says at the end, she says, I feel blessed. Nilda's work reflects her conviction. The way forward for her community is by staying close to their roots. Her journey continues, and you can follow along by visiting CTT's website, provided in the description of this episode. If your travels lead you to Peru, please go see the center in Cusco and in Chinchero. And a quick reminder about our sponsor. Radio Okpoktok is a project of Okpoktok, a social enterprise working to promote and advance Lao textile traditions. Laos is home to over 49 officially recognized ethnic groups, and Okpoktok works with most of them, empowering women artisans, providing income opportunities, and collaborating on new designs. Please visit Okpoktok's website and online shops. Links are in the description of this episode. If you have any questions for me, please send me an email. And until next time, Popcon Mai, Sokbi De, thanks and safe travels. <laughs> <laughs>